In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Christ is in our midst. He was, and is, and ever shall be. This Sunday is the Sunday before the great feast of the elevation of the holy and life-giving cross that we will celebrate this Tuesday on September 14th. So on this Sunday, in preparation for that great feast, where we will literally look up to the cross, the church has us read this gospel this morning. And I'm sure that this gospel is very familiar to all of you who has not heard these beautiful lines that Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Let's remember the whole mission and purpose of the Orthodox Christian Church is for God to come and for us to look to Christ, the real Christ, and to look to him and be saved. God loves the world, and he came into the world to save us. So many people, so many hurting and confused people are walking around in the world thinking that God wants to condemn us and especially to condemn them. But Jesus Christ said it himself, his mission and purpose in the world. Now, what is the, just a little bit about the background or the context of this passage from John chapter 3. Now, this passage came about when Jesus was teaching Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Nicodemus was a leader of the Jews. Nicodemus was educated and had standing. And he, however, he had also a great interest and a tug at his heart to learn from Jesus Christ. But he could not do so publicly. So he came in the middle of the night. Imagine Jesus even met personally with disciples, with catechumens, in the middle of the night in order to personally teach them the faith. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And then Jesus responds to what Nicodemus said with what we have in John chapter 3. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a man is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In the Greek it says, born from above. Sometimes in English it will say, unless one is born again. But this, this, is the, this is what Jesus is saying. Unless we are born anew, born above, transfigured into new upward-looking, God-looking people, Christ-seeking, Christ-looking people, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. How does one become born from above and born again? Now, Jesus 
right after this, gives us this teaching that we have today. The Lord said, now again, this is the answer to the question, how can I be born, born again or born from above? Jesus says, no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, what in the world is going on? What is he talking about serpents in the wilderness? Nicodemus will know, would have known, what Jesus was talking about immediately. He would have known that Jesus was talking about the event with Moses and the Israelites in the desert as detailed in the book of Numbers. When the Israelites were going through the desert, led by God, led by Moses, and the Israelites were complaining complaining, complaining all the time to Moses, to God, that our life would have been better if we had just stayed as prisoners and captives in Egypt under Pharaoh as slaves. They were sinning. They were rebelling. They were apostatizing. They were blaspheming God. And God sent a plague upon them, a plague of serpents. And these serpents were biting the people. And some of the people were already perishing. And the people came to their senses. The people cried out to God to save them. And they cried out to Moses to intercede for them. And God told Moses to take and fashion a piece of bronze and fashion it into a serpent and to lift it up, and whoever looks at this bronze serpent, this icon of the very serpents that were biting them, that these people would be saved. Now, why does Jesus give this as the answer to the necessity of being born from above, to be born above in order to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, God did, had Moses do this with the bronze serpent, so that the people would look and see the very things that were biting them and killing them and notice their affliction and turn and look upwards and look to God in order to be saved. Not to look to their problems, not to keep complaining, not to blame Moses, but to look to God in order to be saved. Now, of course, we can see the cross because all the fathers of the church know and say that this event in the book of Numbers was a prefigurement, a preparation of Christ being ascended onto the cross. Why was Jesus crucified? God came to save the world and not to condemn the world. Now, what is it that put Jesus on the cross? Of course, Jesus let himself be put on the cross, but men put him on the cross. Men's sins put him on the cross. Men's jealousy, men's greed, men's idolatry, men's blasphemy, men's stupidity put Jesus on the cross. Man's sins put Jesus on the cross. And for us to look up to him 
And to see Jesus, and to see, first of all, how he does not respond. God very well could have responded, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, and that would have been just. But God responded with his passion. God responded by saying, Lord, do not, do not, they do not know what they're doing. God, Jesus responded by taking on all this abuse, not only from the people in front of him, but also from mankind, hurling their abuse, their neglect, their faithlessness, their spiritual adultery. And Jesus took it. And he accepted it. The fathers say he swallowed it up. Anything that was hurled at him. Jesus on the cross did this for a reason. Many people, maybe you have heard many times before, I've preached it before, that the cross is a mirror. The cross becomes like a mirror into which we can see our own sinfulness. The cross, I would add to that, is like a spiritual MRI, because we don't just see the externals, but we see into our very hearts, and even the sins that we have that begin in our very hearts, and they come out of our mouths and work through our hands, and if we see what Jesus still loves us, despite of our sins, and we see our own failings, and how we have all this great need for God to be our Savior and our Liberator from the sins that hold us captive. That is looking up. That is the beginning of being born from above. We are made to look above. We are made to look up into the skies and to behold and glorify and give thanks to the living God. I might be repeating myself. I think I said this a few, hopefully many years ago, and I'm gonna repeat it, and some of you remember, and some of you will hear it anew. What does the word man mean in Greek? The word man in Greek is anthropos. Anthropos. Like anthropology, the study of man. Anthropos. The word anthropos means, the, the key word is, is face, prosposia, and to look up, anth. The word anthropos, the very definition of a man is one who is able to look up into the sky and look at God and perceive God, look to God for his every need, his very life, and when he falls, to look to God as those people being bit by the snakes for the salvation. So this is why we have this passage today, to remember God's work, God's mission, and also especially God's philanthropia, his love for man that brought him into this world in order to save us and to give us everlasting life.